Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Hey, this is Carla from the Butcher Baby. This is George Corcoran, the Fisher from Kelvin McCord. Hey, this is Rex from Kill Devil Hill. It's Wednesday 13. This is Gas from Yellow Driving. This is Odorous from War. You're listening to Rabbit Noise. On Rabbit Radio. Turn it up. Good day to you. How are you? I'm good. How are you going, Jess? <laughs> I'm not in bed on my day off. <laughs> on the tour. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yes. I'm good. Has, has the tour been going well? Oh, yeah, it's been good. You know, it's always traumatic getting it together, and, um, but we're locking in big time, and we're seriously rocking the house. It's um, it's a buzz. It's a real, real buzz. It's flying now, yeah. Uh, and all the new tracks being really received well, um, physically. <laughs> I could imagine, man. That, that new album's a real banger. Yeah, I mean, I can't ever remember in 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 my past career where we we come off stage and we uh, and and then we get back on the tour bus and we put the new album on. I can't that re- remember that ever happening before. I I love this record with a deep passion. Well, I love all my musical children, but I love this one um, uh, more than any I can remember to date. And the funny thing is, there's the feeling that um, we haven't tapped into our uh, what all-time masterpiece yet. So um, we're going to start writing uh, as early as spring next year um, for the new record. Wow, man, that's that's really quick. It sounds like you got uh, heaps of inspiration. Yeah, we're on kind of a roll um, at the moment. I think it's taken us, you know, almost 38, 39 years to work out how we best write together and actually master this. So we're keen to apply what we learn on this session to the next one as soon as possible. Man, that's that's a good idea. Strike while the iron's hot, so they say. Exactly. And I just want to say um, uh, to anyone who might, might, might see this interview that um, when I was in trouble at school uh, and I was 14 and in deep shit, you know, uh, and, and, and actually, I have to confess, I was off my tree as well at the time. Um, <laughs> the best thought I ever had was, well, none of this is going to affect me and nothing can harm me because I'm going to start a band. And I have to say, this was the best fucking decision I ever had in my life. You know, what a life it's been. I mean, what a great lifestyle um, decision. And I'd just like to say to many other bands out there, especially in Australia, I had this, like, well, I still do, I have this, this terrible auntie who, when I was, like, 14, 15, she said, you can forget about being in a band. Um, you don't stand a, ch- stand a chance. There's so many groups out there. And uh, I remember my response to her. I said, I said, well, yeah, there are thousands of groups out there, but then they're the all shit. So if I have something unique and original... I'll stand out from the crowd, so I've got every chance of being successful sooner or later. And that is my message to any band. Now, you stand every chance to do it, because there's so many shite bands now. There's even more shite bands now than before. You can't lose, especially if you've got something, you've got something different. 
So I would encourage uh, new bands to find their sound and do sort of um, workshops of uh, experimentation so you don't sound like anyone else. That's going to be the first call. Yeah, so uh, I, I feel pretty, you know, in spite of the, uh, the atrocities that are going on in the world, I, um, I feel in a good place with Killing Joke. That's awesome, man. And it's you got to be damn proud of this album because I've been cranking it for the last week and it's just, it, it's amazing. It's part of a trilogy, right? Well, yeah, well, the record company says that. For me, it's either album 15 or 16. I haven't really counted properly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, yeah, you think I'm joking. I'm the kind of you reason. You know why I don't drive a car? Because to know right from left, I still look at my hands. Of course, by that time, it's too fucking late. <laughs> 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 so um, no, I'm kind of I don't spend much time wallowing in the past. I can tell you past glories or anything like this. And now, now to any of the boys, uh, our, our sights are firmly set on the future and what we can accomplish before we leave this planet. Um, you know, musically, um, it just goes to show that uh, you know it's possible um, to do to do your finest work in uh, in the autumn of. Uh, your career I definitely agree and uh, if as I said before if there's anything that by this album it's it's going to be phenomenal what the next step you guys take and uh, especially you know you guys uh, seem to have gotten heavier over the years as well where you know a lot of metal bands that I know seem to have mellowed out a little bit become a bit dad rock and yeah but the world's got heavier hasn't it really that's and, true. And, you know let's be honest about it, it when you were writing a record, and it always takes the best part of a year for Killing Joke to write a significant work, you're not doing gigs. And if you're not doing gigs these days, you know, you're kind of living in a zone of enforced austerity, to put it mildly. And, and this kind of, in turn, creates a certain amount of empathy, because let's face it, well, I don't know about you in Australia, but pretty much all our friends skin and broken, struggling and uh, struggling to pay off their mortgages or their rent or put food on the table for the kids. So, you know, it's not it's not easy for a lot of people. You know, my mum, she lives in a in a, in a posh part of um, uh, of a town called Cheltenham where we've got GCHQ, all our sort of spying apparatus, and, and and she takes that food parcels to the people in our village. I, mean, I never thought that would ever happen. You know, we're living in a crazy world where 85 people own half the world. You know, we're living in a world where one in five people suffer from depression, mm. where half the world is on a, a dollar a day or less. Uh, and um, and then in contrast, when you look at the, the super rich, um, uh, the inequalities uh, are, are nothing short of obscene. And these kind of things, you know, I mean, here in Europe, You've got people complaining about all the migrants coming into Europe, you know, and I guess you have to save in Australia. But in Europe, it's pretty interesting because nobody seems to link the amount of migrants coming to coming into Europe. They don't seem to link it to, you know, our foreign policy overseas. You know, the the bombing of Libya so ISIS could take over and. Mm. And our wonderful friend Tony Blair and Bush going in for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that, that it clearly didn't exist by all the leaked documents that are servicing now. And they, they were just committed to starting a war period. 
And now he got spilled over into Syria, and all these poor people have been bombed by having their heads cut off by bloody ISIS, the, the creepy parts of uh, of our own kind of Western establishment um, seem to be uh, nourishing. And then you've got the carpet bombing um, by Syria's allies, and uh, and of course, you know, more in one over just over a month and a half. A larger a population, greater than the total population of New Zealand, moved into um, Germany. Mm. You know, in the space of a month and a half. And uh, and the fact is, we do we do have a moral responsibility for these people. We do because we are the ones that are sending our multinationals into their countries to rape on behalf of the IMF and uh, uh, and followed up by um, air campaigns to destabilize dictators, I guess, so that we can uh, we can glean their resources. And this is what's happening. And um, you, you can see this dangerous surge to the right across Europe as, as everybody puts up borders. And <clears throat> so it's, it's pretty depressing uh, when you look at this. And so... Uh, when I look at like Killing Joke concerts and being on the road now, these concerts are a little bit of paradise for me because they allow me to process all the horrors that we've just been talking about, uh, and um, and of course everybody else collectively. Uh, most of the people that come to Killing Joke concerts, they um, they share the same concerns, anxieties, and <clears throat> fears as uh, as we do. And um, there's a sense of camaraderie, brotherhood and sisterhood at Killing Joke concerts and all the kind faces I have to say that I've met in in stores and they've told me about the last 36, 37 years that we've been a soundtrack to so many people's lives and all their different stories, you know. It would be fair to say that we've all been deeply touched in Killing Joke and we never thought it could ever be like this, you know I mean? There's not many bands that can say that um, they have members of the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, Zeppelin, uh, Metallica, Nirvana, and Kate Bush as their fans. That's, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's, it's all over the place. That's what I was going to say. Uh, one of my questions was, you know, Killing Joke has been incredibly influential to, to so many bands, but of so many genres as well, metal, industrial, uh, rock, you can always pick a band um, who's got a little bit of killing joke in there. Um, you know, what bands have you heard, uh, obviously, of late that's had that obvious influence that you can pick? Well, there's so many, but, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, again, I see them as our musical children, you know, quite literally now, and um, it's something uh, we're very proud of. If I look at my, my diaries um, from... Uh, 1979, uh, one of my objectives, I, I laid out five objectives, and one of them was uh, to create a renaissance. And uh, I really believe um, that's what we've managed to do, and the work isn't over by by a long shot. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, when I mean create a renaissance, I don't mean uh, just inspiring bands. And when you look at all the different careers that we have within one band, um, from the curator of the Museum of Modern Art to one of the world's greatest art restorers to conductors, composers. We have um, one person working for the United Nations in our band. We have 
um, two very successful producers. Uh, you know, I, I was an actor of Czech Republic's most mm. successful movie of all time. Uh, so we've all done so many different things, and three of us lecture at universities, and and that's pretty incredible considering none of us have got high school um, exams or, or of any kind. So um, punk, that have a go punk philosophy, has pretty much given us everything. You could see Killing Joke as uh, um, our further education, our university, our invisible college, and you could say that our renaissance that we have in Killing Joke and that we've initiated, this is the simple duty that each and every one of us has to self-educate. Um, I believe this. And, you know, and, and, and bear in mind that um, uh, uh, those people that have children, it's their duty to help educate their children because you cannot rely on the standards in state schools anymore. No, I mean, over here in the UK, in state schools, they don't even teach music anymore, musical arts, you know. Uh, and the quality of education is, um, uh, for, for state schools, unless you're rich, you, um, has, uh, has consciously been um, diminished. So they consciously. don't, so over, over there in the UK, they don't have uh, really good musical programs like they used to, is that what you mean? That's sad. You know, and it's not just there too. I mean, last time I was in New Zealand, there's only two universities um, that you, you can study orchestration in, you know, for, for example. I, I mean, bear in mind, democracy can only really work if it's linked to education and information feed on a big way because, you know, uh, if only 1% of the population can understand the complex issues of the day, uh, democracy is never going to work and it's going to create an elite, which is kind of what's happening now. Yeah. So I fear for the future in this way. And, and of course, I don't think that any of my interviews or my music are going to change any the destructive um, direction that we're going in. But I think it, it helps um, it helps us all process the horrors of the 21st century. You know, I often say that um, the, the killing joke is an effective surrogate for the war impulse because it, it would have been quite quite easy that if we hadn't had killing joke, um, we could have easily become criminals or um, or worse. You know, uh, because we we had this kind of focus um, for uh, to vent our anger, our fury at being told when we were teenagers that we'd failed before we'd even started because we didn't have exams. Well, so any, any people out there that are leaving school or college without exams and and they must feel terrible because we're told these days unless you go to university, you, you, you're lucky to get a job in a supermarket. Well, that's a load of bullshit. Kidding joke is also synonymous with counterculture, which means we don't want jobs in bloody offices. We're looking for a better quality of life. We're looking at doing what exactly we want to do in life without a compromise. And that's what everybody should damn well do. Do you think there's going to be a change with that in the in the future? Do you think Because at the moment, I know a lot of guys that have gone to uni, they've got degrees, they've worked their asses off for years, and uh, they can't get jobs in their profession, you know? They they end up working, you know, retail jobs and stuff. Yeah, like I think it's going to change. You're going to have so many qualified people that are out of work. In the end, the only thing that, uh, positive that we can gain out of it is um, sort of 
green collectivism. And, and by this, I mean, we have to look at philosophers such as Epicurus, who, mm. who, who um, uh, stipulated that if we do tend the garden for a couple of hours each day uh, so that we have a, a, a consistent, sustainable food supply, um, the rest of our time should be spent uh, eating, drinking, and focusing on the arts and other pleasures. You know, and I and I, I kind of agree with this. This is the kind of modern day counterculture philosophy, really. And uh, uh, and I would advise as many people as possible to think along these lines. Collective collectivism. I don't, I don't mean Marxism. Mm. I mean, you know, for example, when I was 22, we were coming into Geneva in in Switzerland, and and the promoter said to us. Um, uh, well, you can either um, stay at the Hilton Hotel or we can put you in a seven-bedroom farmhouse and this couple will cook for you. So we took the latter option uh, and uh, we had such a good night and a great gig and we partied all night in this wonderful Swiss house. And the next day um, uh, I said to this couple, can I come back to your wonderful house to do some writing and composing this is when I was 22, and they invited me back very kindly. And of course, when I got back to this house after a European tour, the rest of the band were there. They'd done the same thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so so a, a new era began where we got sort of Swiss girlfriends, and of course I've got a 30-year-old Swiss daughter now who, who I adore. Um, uh, and, and ironically, I still live for part of the year in the same room in the same house. And it's a, it's a collective. Mm. You know, I only have to cook one night a week because the other six people in the house take it in turns to cook one night a week. And we are, we can see we've got our own garden and it's a collective. And that's what I want to get my place in New Zealand running along, along the same lines. I believe in this. Yeah, ultimately, uh, I'm a communist, you could say, devoid of Marx, Karl Marx, devoid of him. You know, killing joke um, as a microcosm of a wider world. I mean, we've got such diverse opinions and we're all four alpha males the only conclusion i can come to after uh, almost four decades is that communism works hey guys just want to take a minute to give a shout out to our podcast supporters rw promotion who are the best in the business when it comes to printing posters flyers banners badges business cards you name it they've got what it takes to help you get everything you need to help spread the word about your band or business and uh, with a blistering turnaround they'll make sure you get your product ASAP. So get in touch with Richard and the team at www.rwpromotion.com.au or shoot them an email at info at rwpromotion.com.au. Also want to give a shout out to the guys at Blacklight Art and Design, who in my opinion are the Gold Coast best screen printers. So, uh, you know, we've gotten many band shirts and even our own Rabid Noise shirts done through these guys. And uh, they've also got one of the fastest turnarounds I've ever seen. So all quality prints at competitive prices. Uh, so whether it's band merchandise, sporting... T- Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points.
themes, promotional garments, or workwear, you know, they've got you covered. So hit them up at www.blacklightad.com.au or email them at info at blacklightad.com.au. So big thanks to those guys for helping us to bring you this podcast each and every week and for, of course, supporting the metal scene. So now it's back to Rabid Noise. And we're back with Jazz Coleman from Killing Joke. Now, when it comes to playing live, you absolute unit. You guys are so tight. Like, there's bands that are half, half that that just can't hold up. I was just absolutely blown away, especially your voice as well, man. Like, it just absolutely shook the room. Like, what, what's, the, what's the trick there? What's, is it, you know, you guys just have such a great chemistry. Yeah, I, the chemistry's the thing. You know, it's, it's just a weird chemistry, the way we, we rub it and clash with each other and just the personalities, it makes this sound. I don't really know about that. Um, uh, again, I'd say that um, the most important things I've learned in life are uh, to exercise regularly and nourish your body properly. So no more McDonald's and stuff, huh? No, 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 you know, we have to, look, I was just reading the paper yesterday, and they were saying that, you know, processed meats and red meats are more dangerous than smoking 20 cigarettes a day, crikey, huh? Uh, (laughs) Danger's everywhere there, so we have to learn about nutrition, and it's very, very important to um, nourish your body. They say that the baby boomers are going to live a lot longer than the next generation, which is a shame because we don't want a population of old people. I stopped drinking about eight, nine years ago, and I got into boxing and um, and working out regularly, and it gives me so much more energy. And one of the things it did for me is it helped me combat um, depression. And I'm not alone there again, like I say. One in five people suffer from depression. But I had really terrible anxieties. Mm. Uh, and when I stopped booze and I started exercising, um, the depression went. And that depression lasted for 25 years, I might add. So, I mean, there's things that we can do to, to, to sort of lift our spirits, you know. Being with, like, uh, other achievers, other like-minded individuals, these things lift your spirits as well, you know. Genuinely speaking, in spite of all the problems in the world, um, the band and myself, we remain largely optimistic. You know, uh, you're talking about, uh, you know, your you battle with depression. You know, there's a lot of people I know that go through that as well. And you're saying, you know, exercise. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, you know, did you find that uh, with that medication helped as well or just purely just exercise and living living right? No, no. I had one period in... Um uh, in about sort of 2004, where I became addicted to uh, anti-anxiety pills. Mm. It was terrible. And um, it took me two years um, being with an expert to get, get off this addiction. So now I don't, I don't take anything to sleep, which is why I sleep intensely for about two or three hours. Then I wake up, I go to the back of the bus, and yes, there's Geordie and youth. They do the same thing too. <laughs> <laughs> so we stay up and talk. You know, I don't need an awful lot of sleep. I've got a lot of energy and I've just learned to accept it. What is different now is I don't have the terrible fear and anxiety attacks that I had for so many years. And, you know, that is incredibly inspiring. You know, as someone who, uh, you know, on a daily basis, I battle it myself. 
So, uh, as I said, sure. a lot of friends, you know. Um, so that is incredibly inspiring to hear when, you know, guys like yourself, you know, speak out about that and, and share your story. And always remember, in spite of all the problems in the world, just remember all the good people, all the good people out mm. there. You know, all the smiling faces and the people who are kind. There you go. You look for the good and you will find the good. My mother always used to say this to me. I thought it was some stupid cliche until I actually put it into practice. If you look for the good, you will find the good. You know, in saying that, man, I've always found, you know, I've heard stories and and I've met you once in Brisbane. You're incredibly gracious with your fans. You know, even the ones that come with you with an armful of stuff to sign, you know, you, you, you always keep you cool <laughs> with those guys. You always seem really patient. So, oh, you know, like Paul Raven said once, he goes, he says, I love people. And, and I have to confess, I do too. You know, all these wonderful, kind people that we get to meet. Here, and I feel so privileged um, uh, with with my career. And I, and I, I, I genuinely try to spend as much time as I can with them, with, with the people that, with the people that keep us alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, your fans definitely appreciate it. I, I tell you, because I mean, there's heaps of bands out there that just get in the van and piss off, you know, and and leave their fans out in the rain and the cold. But you know, it's always appreciated when guys like yourself, you know, with you know, you get it, you play a show, you know, you burn all that energy, and you probably just want to sit down and. You know, but you go out. Well, no, I, I, we, 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 we've always had the kind of a open dressing room policy after a show, and you know, it was only spoiled on one occasion in, in Canada where we got robbed. Um, uh, but really? generally, looking back over the last thirty-eight years, people have been really respectful and. Uh, we we have a tradition also uh, that if you want to meet us, you come to Soundcheck and we leave the doors open and um, and people can can join us and say hello and uh, uh, and it's really not hard to get backstage at a Killing Joke concert, really. <laughs> <laughs> now you said that there's probably uh, <laughs> can I have all these people waiting? Uh, that's you know that's that's awesome. Well, no, of course they can have to wait there too, but it's a nice thing to meet people after the show. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, it, 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 you know, and before the show as well, um, it, it, when we hire a concert hall to play in, it, f- from my perspective, we're going to have a party from the time that we get in there until the time we leave. Definitely is a party, man. Uh, when I saw, I've seen you once <laughs> in Brisbane, and it's like one, still hands down one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Like, uh, oh, we'll do better next time. Hey, we're coming to Australia next year. All being well. Um, uh, which is to say, um, I'm, I'm probably looking at um, uh, October, November um, next year, coming to Australia, Australian tour, and, and of course New Zealand as well. So I look forward to seeing you again um, at the little club in Brisbane. <laughs> Max, was it, it's a what was the Hi-Fi? It used to be called the Hi-Fi. It's called Max Watts now. They've just had that. It's a great club. I really like that place. A, a really nice place there, and. Uh, you know, I, I got to meet people I hadn't seen for long. Oh, that's the wonderful thing about Kim Joe. You, you meet you meet lots of new people who are like, my God, less than half your age, and then um, and then you get people uh, 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 who've been with you since uh, 1979, old faces, and it, 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 it's wonderful. 
it's a wonderful thing. It's funny actually, um, um, because uh, last time I went to Sydney, um, I wanted to discover this this great mystery uh, um, uh, because you know when I used to drink, I always used to end up in this one bar that had all these incredible pictures on the wall and the piano, and I never knew where the bar was. But every time I used to get fucked up, I always used to end up there. And this was all about 20 years. And I, and I couldn't work out where this bar was until I realized the hotel they'd been putting me in for all these years. The bar was underneath the, the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find it? Which, which hotel was that? Yeah. Do you remember uh, what it was called? Oh, God, it was, um, I think it was the, the Sybil Townhouse. I don't think it's there now. Yeah. But um, look, I'm looking forward to uh, coming back. I've got 200 gigs ahead of me. That's a man. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, the thing is, you won't turn into a fat bastard. You got to look at the bright side of it. You know, when you do two hours burnout with Killing Joke every day, you kind of um, you get your cardio in, and um, uh, it, it keeps you in good shape. You know. Yeah. Well, so you know, I, I still. Uh, you know, I can't, um, I can't, I, I like smoking cigars once in a while, um, but you can't smoke anything when you're singing. So uh, mm. you have to look after your voice and uh, um, it, it's really not the sex, drugs, rock and roll thing that people think it is. It's about um, um, basically maximizing your energy uh, at a two hour point sometime in, every day. Um, and this takes a bit of doing, uh, but I love it. I get off on it. What a thrill. I mean, I really, really get off on it. When Killing Joke locks in, we are in such a um, euphoric state. Uh, it, 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 it's incredible. It's mind-expanding. It's an incredible, exhilarating experience, and I am completely addicted. <laughs> oh, and so are we, man. Talking about euphoric state, there's that... that new uh, single that I believe has come out, Euphoria, off uh, Pylon. I love it. Oh, man. I love it. And we're playing it live as well. I love it. You know, I love it. It's kind of, you know, it's got a dark side, but then there's, um, the, as you can hear on the album with Big Buzz and Euphoria, the, 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 there's also this um, uh, this uplifting side to Killing Joke that's, uh, Fills one with a sense of, kind of mystery and gratitude. I don't know altogether, and uh, yeah, I feel we've really tapped into it on this record, and it just goes to show most things are possible. So no, I'm I'm in good spirits about everything. I'm looking forward to getting back home to New Zealand. The weather here is starting to really, really suck. You know, <laughs> here in Great Britain they have like, you know, eight months of bad weather. I mean, just so effing depressing. I'm so glad I'm getting on Qantas and getting out of here at the end of this effing tour. I mean, I love the gigs, but the food and the climate sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not far, man. You're only, well, we're on the Gold Coast. We're in Queensland, so you're you're just over there. In exactly. Yeah, so not yeah, too far. I'll, I'll be on Qantas coming south within, uh, within uh, nine days. Whoopee. <laughs> well, you're heading into summer now, so it's, it'll be uh, nice weather over there. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, it's a bit later in New Zealand, but I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I've not been back for a year um, down under, and uh, but New Zealand's my home. It, it, I feel this first and foremost. If I had to give up one of my passports, the British passport would go first. Wow. Yeah. Well, see, I've never been to New Zealand. It's it's over the ditch, but I've I've always you don't get out. many Aussies in New Zealand. You don't really don't. I've ne- in all my time now, I've never met many Aussies in New Zealand. But you get many Kiwis in Aussie. <laughs> we do. We do. We, we won't go there. <laughs> but there we are. Look, um, uh, yeah, as you can see, I'm generally kind of chipper. Uh, and um, uh, I don't suppose we can all really take it in that we've had the highest chart position that we've ever had in our lives. At the, the ripe old age of 55, my God. I mean, who'd have thought it? <laughs> That's awesome. What would it chart at? Uh, Eleven. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations, yeah. man. It's it's definitely well deserved. Well, I'll let you know when it makes a difference to my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think everyone needs to. Everyone needs to own this album. I think it's it's just you know it's just a piece of art, man. It's it's brilliant. I can't say anything. Yeah, you know, and the funniest thing is, I'm looking forward to the six-week tour of America, which is going to be quite grueling. But yeah, I feel that we lift people's spirits, and it's a moral duty to get out there on tour. And so I'm, I'm into it, man. I'm into it. I made that right decision at school when I was off my head and being a bad boy. I made the right decision of being in a band. As Peter Hook um, from Joy Division says, it's the best job in the world. <laughs> uh, do you think? Do you think guys these days, you know, with the the way the uh, internet is and everything like that, do you think they they've got a chance as well? Of course, they've got a chance because there's so many shit bands that sound like everybody else out there. How can you lose if you've got some original? Yeah, that's what you're saying before. I like that. I like that a lot. It is, and and the other factor is. That back in 1978 and 79, you had 20 people above your head taking a cut. Mm. I mean, I would get I would get two percent of every record, personally, right? Which means 17 pence uh, for one percent, right? Wow! So you have to sell a lot of records, man, to make any decent money. So you can see how much we were ripped off. Um, uh, back in those days, so uh, actually things are more favourable now in many respects. So you reckon it's a little the, bit, it's it's a lot more transparent. Yeah, that that's true. And um, yeah, people make two mistakes about um, the, the late seventies and the early eighties. One is that uh, it was in some way easier to crack it as a band. It wasn't. It was just as hard, if not harder, then. Um, and the other thing is, these people that look back towards the Killing Joke Joy Division days and the two bands used to go on tour a lot. Um, well, I'd just like to say that life was just as shit then as it is now. <laughs> <laughs> so stick your nostalgia so in somewhere dark. No, it, it's um, uh, generally speaking, uh, these kind of nostalgia waves irritate me. Really? It was just as yeah, it was just as hard then as it is now. It wasn't any fucking golden age, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, it's because I mean you oh, hear yeah. the stories. You know, you hear all the stories about you know from how 
know, everyone says, you know, the golden age, it was so much better back then, but hearing it from, uh, hearing it from you. No, it wasn't. It was a different set of problems. Um, then it was just as dark and, and in fact, it was similar in some respects to this period of time now, you know, and I, and I've had many, um, journalists pointing out to me that, I mean, at the beginning of our, our career, we thought there was going to be one big nuclear war sooner or later, mm. and um, or, or a world war. And here we are back in another Cold War. I mean, I go backwards and forwards to Russia to work with the orchestra. Uh, if things aren't good, you know, um, it, it may well be that nobody wants a World War Three, but it could just happen yeah. because there's no hotlines between Tehran and um, Tel Aviv these days, like there was between Moscow and Washington in the old days. It, it's so much more unstable out there. Um, and so, uh, you know, you have that feeling that everybody's living on a knife edge now. And to add to that, um, the thing that is even worse now than back at the late 70s is that um, people, generally speaking, are a lot poorer. Mm. how terrible things are now but the, the fact is that we each one of us um, must try and make a, a little bit of paradise in our own way whether yeah. it's um, setting up a gig or a concert or a rave or um, or, or, or a talk or a, or a debate or um, whatever I think any form of counterculture is healthy and we should just aim on uh, on uh, uh, heightening the human experience and doing as many things that please us in this life as possible. You know, for myself, there's only one song in rock, in rock music and that song is freedom. It's sung over and over again in a million different ways. That's it's what our forefathers fought for in, last, in the last two world wars and it's what we must defend uh, and um, the eternal fight against fascism. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, yeah, well, dude, thank you so much for uh, talking to us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, it's a big pleasure, man. Now you, uh, make sure that when you finish it, what time is it over there? Uh, 20 to 12. What, at midday? Midnight. Oh, midnight. <laughs> My advice is to, uh, is to consume the poisons of your choice, a big glass of wine, a double whiskey or something even worse, and have a really good night, sir. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, you too. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll... God bless you. Look after yourself. Keep yourself healthy. Huh? I will. Thanks, Jazz. I'll, I'll see you in Brisbane. All right, mate. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy. Bye. Too, bye. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 